Welcome to Telegeography Explains the Internet, the show that explores the business behind all of the ways humans stay connected around the world. I'm your host, Greg Bryan from Telegeography, and today my guest is Jim Poole, Vice President of Business Development at Equinix. So Jim and I had a great conversation about network as a service, Equinix's role in that market as a data center provider, how traditional telcos are positioning themselves to provide NAS, how Equinix is developing edge services in conjunction with these emerging networking solutions, and much more. It was a great conversation through the end, so I won't take any more time introducing it. So on to my interview with Jim. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, could you just start us off, uh, as, as I always do on the show, with uh, a brief introduction of, of your background and, and what you've uh, been up to at Equinix uh, for, I think, quite a while now, right? So, yeah. 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 So, um, so I guess I'll start with, uh, you know, what I do. I'm a, I'm a VP in the business development organization here at Equinix. I've been in the uh, CIT, I guess, I suppose you would say, industry mm -hmm. for about 31 years-ish. Got started in uh, in a university, but then moved into uh, networking and um, related software companies, which is most of what I've done for that entire period. I joined Equinix right. about uh, 12 years ago mm -hmm. after working at places like you know, cable and wireless and Savvis and UUNet and places like that. Uh, started off as a network engineer before I went to the business side. Um, and so in the 12 years that I've been at Equinix, I've primarily been responsible for uh, network ecosystem strategy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Equinix's business model is very much predicated on buy-sell ecosystem behavior between counterparties in the buildings. Right. Networks being right. one of the more important ones. I like to joke that a data center without a network is a refrigerator. So that's kind of necessary yeah. for the business model. So um, a refrigerator I, with a lot of security. That's <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, very secure yeah. refrigerator. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, but I, I spend a lot of my time working on whether it's wireline, wireless, subsea, satellite, you know, all, all the various different aspects of the networking space. So. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is certainly part and parcel of why I wanted to talk to you on this show, Telegeography Explains the Internet, obviously we we cover data centers as data centers themselves, but what is really near and dear to our heart at Telegeography is, is the networks. And so a data center to us gets interesting when we start thinking about what role they play in networks, right? So on, on that uh, note, when I reached out to you about being on the show, I had kind of given you sort of uh, maybe two topics that I, I thought were both, um, you know, uh, uh, hot topics at, at, in, the, in the market in general and certain for, for Equinix about network as a service or maybe edge data centers. When we, when we talked before the show, it kind of occurred to me that I think we can really uh, talk about both of those things on this episode and, and, and that there is maybe some, some interesting and important overlap before. But I want to start us out on network as a service, um, or nasty, as I like to say. I'm trying to get that going. We'll see if it, if it works. <laughs> but uh, but um, I'm going to start with just a really big question, uh, uh, because I know that that, that you uh, think about this a lot, right? So what's what's your take on on NAS, Jim? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think I think NAS is is a uh, appropriate and desired response to you know what the cloud has 
you know, brought to the market, right? So, you know, in the old world, it's all about, you know, appliances and term contracts and self-management and, you know, it's CapEx intensive. Um, and people just don't like that anymore, right? Everyone right. wants everything to be point, click, OPEX based, pay as you go. Um, and that's just not been the history of, of the networking world. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, uh, it, you know, started more on the, on the hyperscaler side, people just thinking about the consumption of IT resources over the internet. Right. So However, the hyperscalers got everyone used to it and now that has to respond, right? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the response from the industry, from the operator side has been, oh, okay, yeah, well, we can do this too. Except I think in the operator context, you know, more importantly, it's inclusive of all of the networking services that the operators provide, not just the internet, right? Internet's mm -hmm. one thing, but, you know, most operators have more deterministic services at higher margin that they would also like people to buy because they tend to make more money on those things, Ethernet, MPLS, you know, private line services. So, um, so, you know, from my perspective, you know, what, what's interesting about NAS is how the operator community is responding by trying to incorporate the same concepts that the hyperscalers have brought in, but to the full suite of networking services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great point, and and certainly that's the holy grail. The 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 telco's nightmare is for enterprises to move to, basically just interacting with hyperscalers through the internet. And there's some times where that that may work. I, I don't see that as the future for a lot of enterprises. Uh, certainly, in in what I can foresee right now. Um, but, uh, you know, before we jump into those big questions, could, could you maybe t talk a little bit about what Equinix specifically does in the, the NAS space? I know you guys have an offering. Um, what does that look like? Uh, and, and I'll preface this like for our, for our whole conversation. One of the things I'm always trying to do on this show is, is get from these concepts and it's, it's hard sometimes, especially with things like SASE and NAS and whatnot too. What are real solutions that folks can buy now and what do they actually do for them, if that makes sense, right? So, Yes, yes, yeah. So um, so from an Equinix point of view, there's, you know, we kind of play in the space in a, in a number of ways. Um, in terms of just components, obviously we have the data centers, that's, mm -hmm. it goes without saying. Um, we also have some other things that sort of help bring the whole value proposition to life. Um, one of which is what we refer to as Equinix Fabric. And mm -hmm. so Equinix Fabric is an is a networking offer. So we built a, a network that links all of our facilities together globally. Um, the difference would be that that network is um, really built as an interconnection platform. So it is SDN driven, it is pay as you go, uh, mm -hmm. dial it up, dial it down. You know, you can do it either through a portal or through an API. Um, so it really, you know, mimics that sort of um, as a service consumption model that people want right. from a, a networking service. Although I said, you know, in our context, it only connects our facilities together mm -hmm. and the counterparties that sit in our facility. So it started off life as what we called an Ethernet exchange 12 years ago when we were trying to normalize. I, re Ethernet I remember services. that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, p at the time people weren't as interested in that use case and, uh, but what they were, well, the hyperscalers in were kind of just getting started 12 years ago. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't something enterprises were doing yeah. really at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what was interesting was, um, you know, while the networks 
had a, a method to interconnect to each other. You know, putting a, an NNI between two networks has, you know, been happening since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. um, however, on the hyperscale side, they were used to everyone consuming their services strictly over the internet. Right. And so the unique problem that we could solve with what we then changed the name to cloud exchange was aggregating private connectivity into public cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So that became sort of the foundational kind of a use case. Um, and then several years ago, we said, well, look, there's really no reason to think of a cloud any differently than any other domain that happens to sit inside of an Equinix facility. And so Fabric today is really an any-to-any value prop. So anyone who sits in an Equinix facility, if they have a fabric port, can connect to any other counterparty inside of one of our facilities, including themselves. So some people use it to build their own backbone. Some people use it to connect to cloud providers. Some people use it to connect to other networks. Um, it can really be used for, for any of those things. So that's kind of mm -hmm. component number one or number two right. after the data center itself. Um, and then the third component or fourth component, depending on how we talk about it, is um, we did an acquisition a few years ago of a company called um, Packet. Packet was a bare metal as a service company. So all of the lovely characteristics of hyperscale compute that you can think of, point, click, pay as you go. But when mm -hmm. you do that, you're buying a virtual machine. And right. what we've done is essentially uh, we have a service that allows you to do this same exact experience point, click, pay as you go for dedicated hardware. So you want to buy a dedicated server. You're the only tenant on that server, and it is 100% there for your use. And so that's so off-prem off private cloud, basically. So, yeah. Yes. It, yeah. It, that's, and that's you know one of the most common, common use mm -hmm. cases for it. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you think about those components um, in the context of networking more generally, yes, an enterprise could come to us, and, and many do, and they could, you know, buy connections on Fabric, and they could connect to cloud providers. They could buy or set up a private cloud. Um, none of that necessarily sounds particularly nazi, except for the the way right. it, it's interconnected using the Fabric. What makes it more interesting from a NAS perspective, in my view, is what we do with other operators. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. operators mm -hmm. are a huge customer of ours, and they use right. these exact same services. So. Um, in many cases, almost all major incumbent operators now use our fabric in one way, shape, or form. Most of them use it to connect to clouds, mm -hmm. um, although a lot of them started off doing it privately years ago. What they've realized is the, the hyperscalers like to change the interface specs constantly, um, and constantly having to make that ch those kind of changes is not necessarily the core competency of most network operators. When a network operator right. stands up an right. NNI, it lives a long, boring life yes. and then dies yes. 20 years later. Yeah, it exactly. doesn't change, mm -hmm. right? But hyperscalers change all the time. So, you know, we right. accommodate for that. And so a lot of the, you know, folks have come on for that. The other mm -hmm. part that's kind of inherent in the NAS value prop is the fact that you're not, you know, doing things on the dedicated appliances. You're standing up, you know, containerized or virtualized network functions in software on hardware. And so what we can allow to ha happen is a telco can take um, a part of their NAS offering that has been virtualized, what, what most telcos call telco cloud, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. is essentially just their BNF estate that they right. use to uh, cater to their customers. And, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, Fabric is effectively an NNI between right. 
you and a counterparty. And that's normally where a telco cloud function wants to sit, right? So you're not tromboning traffic back into some data center hundreds of miles away from wherever mm -hmm. the workload actually sits. Right. And so we have a very unique capability as a company in that we can allow for a network operator to essentially take those NAS functions and you know stand them up for their enterprise customers on an OPEX basis, just like everybody wants. Right. But you know, doing it through our infrastructure, you know, we're behind the scenes. You don't even necessarily know we're we're there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, as an example, we recently made an announcement with uh, Orange Business Services, and that's exactly what Orange is doing. Is they had already gone on through their own sort of digital transformation project internally. They right. already virtualized a lot of their um, customer-facing network services, and so they just clone that software stack drop it on top of our metal platform attached to fabric and voila, pop as a service, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, think of, that's more the service provider flavor of right. NAS, right, if you will. Right, so, but but we're thinking about from the enterprise, I mean, you know, first I'll back up a little and say, you know, if you say Equinix is, is uniquely able to do this, I'm, part of it is is just for, for the kinds of things we're thinking about at Telegeography all the time is that, your geographic footprint is the, is the largest, you, you're the, the most ubiquitous, right? So it's like, it, it comes down to physical geography. You, you, know, you are, you are more places than, than, uh, than ever. You remember back like in the eighties the or whatever, that uh, visa commercial, it's everywhere you want to be. Right. <laughs> like, well, and that's why I start yeah. with the, with the data center, although it sounds sort of, you know, it's easy to kind of gloss over, but mm. you know, the reality is as much as, you know, for years and years, you know, we talked about networking. How did you start every conversation? You drew a cloud on a, right. <laughs> on a the, whiteboard. The cloud is always the part you don't want to talk about right now. That's what I say. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah. and the reality is, um, I always like to joke, Equinix is evidence that physics matter, right? Ah, you know, like you, can, yeah. you can build all the APIs in the world. You can make stuff right. talk to each other over software, but you cannot defy the laws of physics. The speed of light is the speed of light. Right. And so the only way you can uh, achieve things like low latency is you have to put the resources closer together. That's it. Right. It's not magic, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to your point, from a footprint perspective, that is a large part of our corporate strategy as far as you know how we expand the real estate footprint is you know how do we get as close to as much of the global population and GDP as we can? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because that is... If you watched the behavior of our customers, um, you know, we represent right at this point, we have about half of the Fortune 5 and about half of the Russell 2000 as customers. And mm -hmm. what are they doing? They are putting IT infrastructure on a disaggregated basis closer to their end users. Right. Right. So the old right. model of, you know, IT, the data center was at the top and you built this big spider network that connects all the branch offices and everything had to go back and forth and back and mm -hmm. forth. And that doesn't work anymore, right? Everybody right. wants the application that caters to those users to sit proximate to those users. So, right. um, so right. a lot of it is, you know, us combining the idea that, you know, physicality matters and dedicated infrastructure matters, um, mm -hmm. but you need to make that cloud-like consumption available for those services not everything to your point we agree we would agree with you not everything will work on the internet as nice as the internet is right. as much as we love it um mm -hmm. it doesn't solve all problems it solves a lot but it doesn't solve right. all of them so we have to solve for the ones that that the internet doesn't solve for yeah exactly well and and that that's exactly to the point uh, about about the you know sort of 
the service providers being a big part of your customers for this and creating virtualized pops is that they're solving another really basic problem for the enterprise, which is how do I get from my offices to all those Equinix facilities, right? You know what I mean? And yep. like that's that's still a, a pretty big problem, even though uh, you know the the internet is ubiquitous. That that is not going to you know be sufficient in a lot of cases, depending on what uh, what sort of applications they're running and that sort of thing, right? So oh yeah, well I give you a good example is you know we'll have an operator, for example, common scenario has a pop with us in Sydney in Australia. Mm-hmm. But they don't have pops in Canberra and Adelaide and <laughs> Perth right, right, and all these other right. places. Perth is and normally, area. normally they would, you know, go to one of the local and you know providers and they'd place an order. And 90 days later, <laughs> you know, right, they get exactly. a, a, yeah. a circuit. And um, you know, one of the first use cases that the operators used for our fabric was, oh, oh, wait a minute. Well, chances are, if I had to go to Perth or Canberra or Adelaide. The reason I was going there was to connect to something that happened to sit in an Equinix facility. So why wouldn't mm-hmm. I just use the fabric capability? Because right. I could turn that on in a couple of minutes and I could turn it off the minute I don't want it. So even if all you were provisioning a do, line across the continent, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could still, you know, if you have better, better term pricing with, you know, your, your partner over the long term, then you can use it as a bridge and turn mm-hmm. it off and not use it anymore. It's fine, fine from our perspective, right? You know, Speed is its own reward, I always right, like to say. Right, right, absolutely. So, all right, so that, that I think that's great context for sort of like specifically how it, at Equinix you're thinking about this. What, what do you, what's your sort of impression of, of the broader NAS market? There's, yep. It's a term that's, that's still uh, having definitions brought to it, much like, say, SD-WAN five or six years ago, right? So so what's your view on, on how, you know, sort of... Um, the, the the broader market is approaching these problems and and what they're trying to solve and and go and how are they trying to go about that basically yeah yeah no this so this this is a really interesting question to me so you know kind of the way i like to describe this is that um you you have kind of an interesting dichotomy in the market right on the one mm-hmm. hand as we know we have the hyperscalers and we have the internet and everything about that experience is nas like or, you right. know, um, infrastructure as a service, like you point, I, like, I log on and I, I spin up a server, whatever I get what I need. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And so, but that's public network, public mm-hmm. cloud infrastructure. It's nice OPEX based page go. Everybody loves that. On the other side, you have that sort of traditional IT and networking infrastructure space where to our previous example, the minute I leave my network and I have to, you know, do a type two circuit with a partner. Everything falls apart and it's manual, <laughs> right? right? So you right. could automate all the loveliness in the world on your own network. And if the minute you have to leave your network, that value prop falls apart, then, well, you really don't have a NAS mm-hmm. service necessarily. Mm-hmm. You have something. And so, you know, my broader view of the market has been, okay, well, what if, right? You know, when you're, when you're trying to solve a problem, it's always good to solve a problem that somebody wants you to solve, right? And yes, what the networking... not, not be a, a solution in search of a problem, which eh, yeah, exactly, right? yeah, no, yeah, it does. Yeah, and and when I talk to operators, I say, you know, why why did this happen? And the reason is, to your point you made earlier, the hyperscalers have they're new. They only showed up in the last you know fifteen mm-hmm. years or so. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, the fact that you know business between operators had this weird sort of slow manual aspect to it. 
didn't right. hurt anything because we all had the same problem with each other, right? There was no like getting around it. Like if you wanted to buy a service, you all dealt with the same issue. Then right. the hyperscalers show up, they build what they've built, which is fantastic. But what they've done is they've taken all the low-hanging fruit <laughs> right. and moved it over to the other other side. And so if we want to solve an interesting problem, what if, you know, the big idea, what if we could make private infrastructure as easy to consume as public infrastructure? Mm -hmm. Then you'd really have a NAS offering. And from the operator's perspective, that would be fantastic because where's all the margin in the business? The margin in the business yeah. is in you know, deterministic services, MPLS, Ethernet, private line, and in managed services, right. which is, you know, fundamentally the one of the aspects of NAS. And so, you know, if we really want to kind of crack open this this problem and, and solve a problem that would bring a lot of benefit to everyone, you know, enterprises, operators, you know, right. top to bottom, let's make private infrastructure as easy to consume and scale as public infrastructure. And, and then we've got something interesting that people will pay. And, um, and know, just for. to, to get in front of a, a question or, or a comment that I, I can anticipate some people in the audience having right now, you don't mean via some over the top service, right? So, so, so right. Yeah, exactly. there, there are those who would argue that all public infrastructure can be made private enough via, uh, you know, software essentially, but but from from yeah. from the the fundamental operator uh, space and and from from the the needs of certain customers that that's just not really the case, right? So, oh yeah, and there's you know and I you know and in most people's on a consumer level, you know the internet works great, right? For almost right. anything consumer based, it works great. But you know to give you an example, I was talking to a, a CTO at one of the operators the other day, and he gave a great example. It was you know. Uh, inside of, for example, most hyperscale network infrastructure, it's a big flat layer three network. And when mm -hmm. part of it has an issue, they just, you know, what IP does really well, they reroute to someplace else. Right. And for the most part, you know, if you're a consumer, you would never notice. Well, this CTO right. in particular is like, well, no, 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 no. I'm dealing with a very specific business application. And so when, you know, the latency suddenly went from, you know, 20 milliseconds round trip to 80 milliseconds round trip, it failed, right? right? The application just fell over. And he's like, I can't have that happen, right? <laughs> right? That is not the world that, that my customers live in. So as, as nice as the internet is and as nice as, um, you know, what the what the cloud community has, has brought is, it doesn't work for, for everything, right? And right. so we need a way of taking these more deterministic services like MPLS and Ethernet and, and now 5G, and you know make them consumable in this NAS-like way, right. but accounting for the fact that you know no network goes everywhere, and there will be cases where you have to go to another domain to satisfy the requirement. And so, in our minds, you know, well, that's kind of what we were doing when we launched, you know, Cloud Exchange now Fabric was we were solving right. for this idea of connecting a private network to public compute. Mm -hmm. um, what if we could make the other domain as opposed to it just being a hyperscale compute platform. It's just another network. It's the same right. automation. It's the same technology. There's nothing all that different about it. So it's it for me, what's fun is, you know, when I joined the company 12 years ago, my first project was the Ethernet exchange, which of course back then, like I said, the networks were sort of trying to understand why they needed it. 
because right. they had a process, a manual process for doing NNIs. Mm -hmm. Now you look at it and go, okay, manual isn't good enough anymore. It has to be automated. So every NAS, you know, you, you all NAS services must be heavily automated. But like I said, if you go off net, if it breaks the value prop the minute you go off net, then it's not really an end-to-end -end NAS service. So, right. you know, this is an area we think we can help bring value to because it's not all that different than um, how we started the business, right? How did we start Equinix? Well, we, you know, responded to a bunch of non-facilities-based ISPs who had a peering problem, right? You know, right. they weren't facilities-based. They didn't own COs. They had no easy way to interconnect to each other. And so, you know, we built what is now referred to as DC2 here in Ashburn, mm -hmm. um, was the first, you know, sort of internet, big internet peering point. And that was for public networking. Right. You know, now we have the opportunity to sort of solve the same problem on the, on the private side. It's just in this case, it's deterministic services and a lot more automation that's necessary than say just doing, you know, BGP peering of public IP. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are we, are we there yet with the, the automation capabilities to sort of put that in place? Is that sort of what you're working on now? Uh, well, from a technology perspective, absolutely. Yeah, from a technology I mean, perspective. It's more of a business problem, right? It's, yeah, exactly. It is. Yeah. It is a business yeah. problem. And, and, you know, one of the things I've often, you know, talked to operators about is, you know, it's not like the industry hasn't tried to do this in the past, just mm -hmm. they always went about it in a way that never quite caught on, like a, a consortium, right? right? There was all kinds of, like every telco consortium you've ever heard of died, right? <laughs> they mm -hmm. didn't, they didn't work. Um, and why? It's because, well, you know, you got two entities that are um, by nature somewhat competitive right. with each other and they're trying to cooperate and they try to do all these carve outs and it's just the business model is what makes it break, not the technology, mm -hmm. it's the business mm -hmm. model. So just like in the internet example where, hey, a third party in the form of Equinix came out and said, okay, we'll, we'll run data centers and peering infrastructure for you. You know, we can come in and now operate interconnection infrastructure, you know, by default through what we've done on the cloud we are the largest outsourced NNI provider in the market. Right. So we've got hundreds and hundreds of networks attached to Fabric, adopting our APIs and automation to interconnect the cloud. So all of a sudden making, you know, uh, shift to connect to another network is not a big deal. In fact, the, the intermediate step most operators have taken with us is they now sell their services over Fabric. So if you buy a Fabric port inside of one of our data centers, um, you can connect to Amazon, to Azure, to Oracle, and to Verizon. Right. <laughs> and you can consume right. Verizon's, you know, PIP network or their public mm -hmm. IP network or their Ethernet services. Um, and, you know, and the reality is when you go back and you say, oh, okay, well, what, what motivated all of this? Well, it was the end user. Mm -hmm. Enterprises said, okay, right. yeah, I like this. I want it to be an automated right. process. And so I, I was going to say, the yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just want to translate for any audience members who don't know Verizon that that, that, that what, what you were talking about was MPLS and DIA, basically, right? So just to, just to yes. throw that in there, right? Since Verizon uses funny yeah. words, PIP, and you know, sorry, so sorry to interrupt, but yeah, yes, please, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I always forget, you know, when I yeah. talk, to, I actually do that with every operator. I use their acronyms mm -hmm. <laughs> when I talk to them. So, but yes, you're absolutely yeah, DIA and 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 Ethernet and MPLS, and you know, I I think that you know, what we're starting to see is convergence, right? And so right. from an operator's perspective, where they get a benefit is anytime they can scale something with a single method, 
right? In a single investment. So if I can take that single method and that single investment and then parlay it against as many different use cases as possible, I get a really good return, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you think about what we've done over the years, okay, well, in, you know, you go to your average Equinix facility, we have hundreds of network operators. So the transport layer is already installed. The right. routers and switches are already installed. The optical gear is already installed, right? Mm -hmm. So they've made all of that investment. Now, all of a sudden, they're thinking about NAS and they're like, oh, well, wait a minute. I've got to automate connectivity to what? Well, to everything, right? right? And right. so right. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, wait a minute. So I can't have a separate cloud process local access process, mm -hmm. peered MPLS pro I mean, you know, if you have a, an NNI process for every single counterparty that you interconnect to, you're going to, A, it will never scale. It'll cost a fortune right. Right. Uh, and you'll, you'll die a slow, painful death. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, our point of view is, okay, you're already made this big investment with us. Now, all we're going to do is pivot it to as many different use cases as possible. And that is currently what I spend a lot of time with the right. operators on. And, and when we've, you know, had a tremendous amount of success, I mean, we're up over, I think 400 operators are now on fabric in one mm -hmm. way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to hundreds of cloud providers and, you know, private infrastructure enterprises, so on and so forth. So. Right, right. And that, uh, that's actually really illuminating. I, I, when, when we talked about this before though, you, you put it into kind of like three discrete pillars. And I wonder if you, if you could, yeah. uh, Bring those up for the audience because I thought I thought that was also helpful to to also move it along from like kind of what uh, what we're trying to do in in the NAS space now to to sort of what it might become as well. So so what yeah. are what are your three sure. pillars there? Yeah, so I, I I break the problem down. So if we if we you know go back restate the problem. Okay, we want NAS, but we want NAS against private infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? Not just public infrastructure. So what would that mean? That would mean one. I've got an interconnection issue. So pillar number one is I got to solve the interconnection issue. Okay. We just talked right. about fabric. The fabric's that's, really that's good. That's what you've, you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To solve for, for that piece. Um, but that's not the only piece, right? Right. You know, go back to what I was talking about with metal, right? The other piece to NAS is uh, software-based services, network services. So all the things that comprise SASE, right? Like, you know, load balancers right. and firewalls and SD-WAN gateways and so on and so forth. Um, I also need that. And, you know, like the fabric component, pay as you go, turn it up, turn it down. I'd like the software that I'm deploying on hardware to also have that consumption characteristic, right? Turn it up, turn mm -hmm. it down, pay as you go. So that's how we position metal. And those two functions, the NNI and the telco cloud function, customer facing BNF, have an affinity for each other. They want to sit in the same place physically. Right. They right, like to be right. in the same building because that's the edge of, mm -hmm. you know, that's the handoff point to whatever the counterparty is. So whether that counterparty is a uh, network and you're just buying an access circuit or whether that counterparty is a cloud. Right. So second piece is, is the telco cloud functions. And, you know, we can either do that just by selling colo and you can put a pop in our facility. We have lots of operators who do that. Right. They've already virtualized. It's their white boxes. They just drop it inside of our facility and they attach it to our fabric. So it's kind of like a hybrid version or they could mm -hmm. put it on our metal and just do it as a software instance connected to our fabric and it's pop as a service, the orange example that I used earlier. Right. So right. The second pillar is this kind of concept of, of telco cloud. The third is, and this is another, you know, definitional fund that we get to have mm -hmm. is, you know, Mac, Mac. Mac, <laughs> now, right. When Define I say Mac for us, yes, please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. When I say mech, right, it's it started off as, you know, people always think of mech and they think to this day, a lot of people still misquoted as mobile edge mobile. compute. Right. And it's like, right. well, no, they changed that back in 2017, actually, <laughs> to multi-access edge compute. Why? Why did it's we not always mobile? Definition? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not always yeah. mobile. And ultimately, what we're talking about is proximally located IT. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, mech is any kind of compute and storage infrastructure that just happens to sit closer to whoever's consuming it. So right. mech exists already, has existed for a long, long time. Right. We just didn't think about that. But if we go back to this NAS idea yeah. that says, well, I've got the public side of things with the Internet and the clouds. If I wanted private infrastructure, I'd also have to solve for the compute component. Mm -hmm. And in our case, like I said, the, the metal. Uh, infrastructure is connected to fabric, can host right. things like customer VNFs, but it can equally host private cloud infrastructure. So if you have a workload that does not perform well in a least common denominator virtualized compute environment, which is what a hyperscaler mm -hmm. is, then right. you want to put it on dedicated hardware. And so right. it's those three components, the interconnection component, the telco cloud component, and the mech component that if we can automate that, all of the interconnection that goes and the orchestration of those things together, then we have recreated what you know hyperscale clouds and internet has done, but we've mm -hmm. done it with private network infrastructure, private IT infrastructure, and that's where the industry is looking to make its money, right? If you think about 5G and all of the money for the licenses and upgrading all of the software and disaggregating the network, None of that is going to pay itself back by everybody renewing their handset. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Of course. Yeah. You know, so 5G as a, as a technology is completely predicated on selling something that has never existed before. Business class wireless services. Right. right? Yeah. And, and I think I think that's absolutely it. And that that. It, but that fixed wireless access has to be consumable by enterprises in a way that they're used to consuming local access too, right? So that, I think there's the key there for sure. Well, and the other thing that, that people often miss is, okay, for a long time, wireless networks and wireline networks, even though they were owned by the same company, were kind of just peered together. They actually mm -hmm. operated quite independently of one another. Mm -hmm. Go on a go forward basis, that, that doesn't work, right? If you're the network operator, you need a converged infrastructure, right? right. And so this interconnection and telco cloud and compute mech issue on the private side of the equation, um, you need to solve for all of that, regardless of the access method. Mm -hmm. Wireless, wireline, public internet, private network, doesn't matter. You have to solve for all of that. You're not going to do that by building a bunch of discreetly separate you know, uh, services. That's right. got to all happen on some kind of unified infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, go again back to, you know, what Equinix does. It's okay. Common set of buildings common NNI format between all counterparties, regardless of what they are, right. common compute substrate, regardless attached and already automated to interconnect to all the other components. So, you know, from our perspective, that's to us, you know, what we're trying to help. And, and we're not a network, <laughs> right? At the end well, of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I can go and, and, you know, talk to any operator and say, look, I'm a real estate investment trust. I have to make 75% right. of my revenue on rental. Right. 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 And so 
you know, what I'm trying to do is bring more value to the real estate that we operate. Mm-hmm. And so anything I can do to make these lovely data centers as easy to be in as possible and, and to solve for two kind of problems. And this is why the operators like us so much. Um, one is I solve potentially for everything we've just talked about, which is all of these automation and interconnection issues um, on an OPEX basis, because I get a benefit from you know leasing things to people. Right. But I'm also an aggregator. Which is the first reason most of them like us, right? You know, right. we've got, like I said, we've got all these enterprise customers that are sitting in our facility. So, you know, my joke with most work operators is, you know, doing business at Equinix is like fishing in a barrel, right? <laughs> they're, they're, they're a there. The building right. is yeah, full exactly. of customers for you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and right. it's, I want you to sell to them. That's my whole right. reason for mm-hmm. doing these other things in terms of the metal and interconnection platform is I want to make it super easy for you to sell that value prop to those enterprise customers, then we're both happy, right? right? The enterprise is happy, the operator's happy, and Equinix is happy. All three. Yeah, of well, there's there's even another layer that makes, this is what makes uh, telecom so fascinating from an economics perspective, is there's even another layer, which is if, I, if I'm creating a virtualized pop that, you know, a, a, an ILEC or a PTT or whatever is uh, using, that infrastructure is ultimately you guys leasing wavelengths from those same providers, right? So there's there's layers yeah. on layers here, right? So so when yeah. you say you're oh, not yeah, a network, yeah. like yeah, you're you're leasing network from from the same folks that you're hoping will then purchase the fabric service to to create their virtualized pops to to get their customers onto your facilities, right? So it yeah. is uh, yeah. it, it would give a lot of econ professors a headache, I think, to to map all of this yeah. out. <laughs> But there's there's power in choice, and I and right. I because I you know we've had operators say that to us you know well wait a minute what stops the enterprise from buying directly from you, right? And that's true they could mm-hmm. they could actually buy it from us. But there's an important distinction in Equinix's business model. Equinix is um, not a managed services company, right? So right. when you buy something from us, you better know how to use it. I, my analogy that I always use is it would be like saying I'd like to buy a house, and if I pointed at Home Depot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, everything and, you need to build yeah. a house is in there. <laughs> right. And those those, the same thing, say, those, right? those customers exist, right? So so there are there are large multinational enterprises that have almost like a sort of mini telco team and they yes. they go to ITW and they meet with operators all over the world and, and they manage multi that's that, that, that's always going to be a pretty specific small group of, of folks who, who have the desire or the whatever yeah. reasons the economy of scale to do that. Certainly, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at all of this truly becoming available to the enterprise when they can go to their same sales rep that they've been dealing with for, for 15 years on MPLS and get these new services and get them managed, right? That, that, I think that's, that's what most yeah. people are, are waiting for, you know? Absolutely. And that's why we always say to people, it's like, look, I would be just as happy like I said, if, if a customer comes in and buys a fabric port from us, but uses their incumbent provider's service, mm-hmm. uh, either way, you know, at the end of the day, let's go back to what 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 am I economically as an entity? I am a data center company, right? So right. I make the best margin and the most value by bringing value to real estate. So if you can come in and, you know, what I always joked was I said, you know, back up years and years and years ago, we didn't actually want to link the facilities together. We did because it was the only way to bring a true right. NAS value prop out. But you know, we have customers all the time, like I said, who use it use this as a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's any number of ways, but all that still is accretive to me from a real estate perspective, and it keeps me in my lane 
and right. it keeps the right. operators getting you know paid for what they do best um, and that's why it's yeah. a ecosystem <laughs> yeah absolutely so so to, to kind of wrap things up a little bit I want to talk about that that real estate piece is that when we talk about the, this edge playing a role in all of this I I'm always seeking clarity on on what Edge means. So I've seen some people refer to Edge as like just just a what, what what I think of as a normal data center, but it's in a tier three city instead of Ashburn, Frankfurt, Los Angeles now, or an old you know central office perhaps kind of model where it's like you know sort of repurposing you know central offices down to I, I've seen instances where it, it seems like it's basically like you know if we go back to uh, before there were hyperscalers and you had uh, a closet in your headquarters building, that that's, that on-prem you know data center is is an edge, right? It's just that that you know then the rest of your offices had to get private lines to that or whatever. And so, but is it is it almost like down to the level of bringing servers back into multi-tenant office buildings in some cases, or, or how close are we getting to that? Yeah, so that's you know it's a great question and one I, I spend a lot of time on. And so, you know, the first thing I always like to, you know, draw people's attention to is kind of back to that sort of why were we calling it mech in the mm -hmm. mobile edge compute sense? And, and and why is that sort of stuck in everybody's head? And it comes back to this latency issue, right? What is it right. that people are actually trying to solve for when they talk about edge data centers, right? What they're trying to solve for is proximally located compute. Right. right. I want deterministic network latency between the end device or user and the application. That's that's all I'm trying to solve for. Right now, from a real estate perspective, why does that start to matter? Well, everybody goes, oh, well, hey, let's see. The average latency on a mobile network in the United States is 40 to 50 milliseconds. Wow, that's kind of high. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's um, all over the Internet. I mean, most people don't think about this, but, you know, 4G and all predecessors dump all of their traffic into the public IP network, right? Right. They don't, they don't operate as private networks. So until 5G, there's never been a, you know, deterministic performance so aspect to wireless really networking. Really good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so what is it when we start talking about edge data centers, are we really trying to, to solve for? Well, you know, we look at it and like you said, you know, look at Equinix, where are we? Oh, let's see, we're in 65 plus, you know, metro markets right. around the world with 250 plus data centers. Um, if you started to do something, and we've done this in the United States just for the fun, right? Was we said, let's take all the metros that, that Equinix sits in and let's account for the fact that fiber doesn't go in a straight line. Right. And let's draw an approximate round trip latency circle from every place Equinix has a building, right? And what would you... And let's go for something ambitious, right? If the average latency on the mobile network is 40 to 50, what if, let's call it 10, right? Mm -hmm. 4X improvement, right? Would be fantastic. Well, it turns out 80 plus percent of the US population sits within 10 milliseconds of an existing Equinix wow. facility. So it's just <laughs> right? all edge. Right? So, yeah. Ah, here you go. Well, and then I, yeah. I go back to my earlier point. This is, well, what is it actually that the enterprise customers sitting in Equinix facilities are doing? Mm -hmm. They're putting their IT closer to, so this has been going on for a long right. time. It's just nobody had a name for it before. Right. They didn't call it edge. So one of the aspects of edge that needs to get solved for isn't so much the building to start. Mm -hmm. It's this issue of, hey, 5G deterministic wireless networking with deterministic routing so that I can characterize latency and, and essentially guarantee it 
for an application. How do I solve that problem? Well, that's mm-hmm. a different problem because the mobile networks were set up, like I said, as consumer constructs. First it was voice, then it was right. data, but it was laid on the same exact architecture, right? So the, the breakout points are fixed and they're not designed to be close to anything. They're designed to be cheap, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at most of mobile ag centers in most mobile networks, they're, they're not sitting any place you'd actually want to be. And there's nothing in those buildings other than right. the operator, right? right? So the first thing that has to happen goes back to this earlier NAS problem that says, how do I automate connectivity between a mobile network user across my quality of service backhaul into something like a public multi-tenant data center facility like Equinix? Right. That's right now from an edge perspective, what we're doing, because my contention is if we could then figure out how to ubiquitously do that as an industry, just even across only Equinix facilities, like I said, you would suddenly be lowering the average latency mm-hmm. for the network by a factor of four for the vast majority. And that in the United States, like I said, it's 80 plus or minus. You go in some markets, Canada, it's right. like 95% of the population lives within 10 milliseconds right, or more. Concentrated. Western Europe, yeah. mm-hmm. much more concentrated markets. So my first contention is, okay, that's the first problem to solve. And then once we can do that, we'll have a pretty darn good idea what people are willing to pay to have that kind of deterministic latency. And then once we understand that, then we could start to think about, well, wait a minute. Okay, if 10 milliseconds was great for 80%, what about 10 for 100%? Or what if we wanted to go to five? And what are people willing to pay for that? And so we have done work, as an example, uh, developing modular facilities. So, um, but when we did it, we thought of the problem on a multiple um, axes, right? So yes, mobility in the future, this mech low latency thing is one use for a Mm -hmm. modular facility. Um, The other thing we spend, or I spend a lot of time on is um, subsea cable systems, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So, you know, most traffic- I was thinking about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Crosses a subsea cable. So what have we done? So in the last, you know, dozen years that I've been here, we've um, facilitated one way, shape or form 50 plus subsea cable projects. Mm-hmm. And as of the last few years, one of the requirements that we've seen, because the hyperscalers are such big investors now in subsea cable right. is the desire to diversify from not from into non-traditional routes. Right. right. So right. same problem. There's a lot of inertia in the subsea cable business. The routes were premised on London talking to New York across the North Atlantic, because that was the shortest distance between mm-hmm. the two continents. Right. Well, and the gravity optics. of the econ- e- economic and populations too, right? So it's a, now it's yeah. lots of tromboning, right? Yeah. But you, and you also have a lot of concentration risk too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have, yeah, you have weird situations where like if you're in Tierra del Fuego in Argentina and you want to send something to South Africa, traditionally it was, you go all the way up to New York, yeah. you go over to yeah. London and you go all the way back down again. And it takes, you know, 185 milliseconds mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you, it kills you. Well, right. okay. Now we, you know, people are wanting to put cables in brand new markets. So we recently um, did a project with uh, Orange and um, Meta for mm-hmm. Amite, which is a cable that goes from uh, Massachusetts to Bordeaux, France. Well, there'd never been a cable landed in Bordeaux, right. France before. Mm-hmm. And Meta and Orange had a really quick turnaround time. And so stick built was going to take too long. And so we're like, oh, okay, I can do that using a modular facility. So I can work out all my supply chain operations, all the issues I need to do 
And, oh, I get a 20-year contract because cables are very long-lived assets. Right. And now I'm set up as a company. This is you know, part of what my job is to say, as this mobile thing plays out over time, and we start to figure out what people are willing to pay for ultra low latency, okay, then we can work on the real estate problem once we realize we have a real estate mm. problem. But mm -hmm. I don't think we have a real estate problem yet. I think Not we yet. have a right. 5G disaggregated network, you know, deterministic routing issue to solve first. Mm -hmm. We'll eventually get to the real estate problem. Yeah, no, I mean, that. thank you for that because that, that makes it the, the whole issue a lot clearer to me at least and I'm sure, I'm sure many listeners as well and thinking about sort of um not not just what counts but why right you know and, and sort of you know why the edge is the edge and and sort of what that means so um yeah it'll be interesting to watch over the next few years I think you've given us lots to think about so thank you very much uh for for joining us I think um uh, I'm I'm gonna go back and re-listen to this one myself even so to see make sure we stay up on what's going on. Um, I know you write about this stuff uh, pr pretty often too, Jim. How, how can folks find you, keep up yes. with what you're doing, and and uh, uh, make sure they're on top of these changes? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, the easiest way is um, we have our blog site, so interconnections.equinix.com. So I'm one of the contributing authors to that. So a lot of these concepts, actually, I've written about and are posted, um, me and people on my team and other folks in the company who work on that. That's always going to be the easiest way. Of course, I cross post things on LinkedIn um, mm -hmm. pretty regularly. And so I could be found on LinkedIn as well. But first stop should be interconnections.equinix.com. Excellent. All right. Well, you've given us lots to think about. Much appreciated. And I think that means we should probably do this again sometime to see uh, you know, how things played out. So yeah, now, now we got to figure out how the story ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just ubiquitous network on demand all the time, everywhere. That's the that's the end game, right? So, simple. simple. Yeah, It'll exactly. Be easy. <laughs> Single pane of glass. Right? So, that's, yeah. right. that's right. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jim. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Telegeography Explains the Internet comes from the experts here at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. And I also wrote that theme song you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com, and we'll see you on the internet.